The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday morning, November 25th. I cannot believe where this time is going. Thanksgiving this week, so in advance. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Radio Network. I'm your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live, as usual, from Blastoff Studios in Times Square. We have a very uh, interesting show today. We've talked consistently about about the uber-wealthy and the hot sales market in New York City, but today we're going to focus our attention on the rental or leasing marketplace, which, by the way, is equally hot. But there are times that a person needs to get out of their lease and there could be ramifications. But there is also a company out there that may have found a solution. My special guest today is Philip Horrigan, founder and CEO of LeaseBreak.com. The company was founded in 2013 and has quickly become the number one place where people can find and post lease breaks and short-term rentals. Sometimes you just have to get out of your lease. We will talk to Phil in a minute, but for uh, a few minutes, let's get to the headlines. Uh, the Luxury Real Estate Summit announced that Luis D. Ortiz, star of Bravo TV's Million Dollar Listing New York, was selected as their keynote speaker for the 2015 Luxury Real Estate Summit. Reach for the Stars is taking place February 9th, 2015 at the Tobon Center in San Antonio, Texas. Not to be confused with the pied-à-terre tax, the city is now mulling over the idea to raise the mansion tax. There's a good one. The proposal would increase the tax on the most expensive apartment sales in the city to pay for affordable housing. This, according to the Wall Street Journal. If introduced, the plan will need approval from the state legislature. Currently, the mansion tax levies a 1% tax on housing sales that exceed $1 million. That tax has generated $259 million just during the 2004. 13 fiscal year alone. Townhouses are a niche in the luxury market, but this represents a small fraction of the city's housing stock. This is especially true on the Upper West Side, where there are roughly 1,600 townhouses compared with the nearly double that number on the Upper East Side. 3,000 townhouses on the Upper East Side? Wow, that's interesting. But as more families stay in the city and condominium prices surge even higher, renewed attention is being lavished on this rare housing stock. While historically, townhouses in the West 70s were the most sought after, as prices have continued to escalate, more developers and owners are crossing that 79th Street boundary and heading north. And this will change the townhouse market in that neighborhood for good. You know, there was a time where you didn't want to go past 79th Street and or 86th Street, that divided line on 86th Street. Oh, yeah, Street. definitely. Not a good thing for townhouse owners. A sophisticated duplex penthouse loft at 161 Hudson Street with 2,000 square feet of outdoor space and nearly 6,000 feet of interior space sold recently for $17.5 million and was the most expensive sale of the week. The voluminous unit number 9A and 8B with more than 40 windows providing exposures in three directions 
had been owned since 2005 by the television pundit John Stewart, the host of The Daily Show. In 2005, he paid $5.8 million. Can you imagine? And sold it for $17.5. Only in New York, my God. Top condominium buildings in New York posted sales per square foot in the third quarter that were 29.5% higher than a year ago period, according to a report by City Realty. The average price per square foot from sales in the third quarter was 26.65 across the top 100 buildings. The volume of sales, however, declined. The volume of sales, however, declined 3% from a year ago period. That's interesting. Okay, so price per square foot up, but the volume of sales has declined. So before conquering real estate, Phil, my guest, had careers in management consulting, buy-side equity research, industrial engineering, teaching high school calculus, acting, and tutoring. He's into sports, soccer, and volleyball and has recently become a first-time dad. Wow. Isn't that something? I've known Phil for a few years, and it's my pleasure to welcome him to the program this morning. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Vince. Great to be here. All right. So let's just start with the varied career and and, and the sports activities and whatever. How did this get into real estate? Great question. Um, Let's see. Uh, So it started – I went to Northwestern University as an engineer and a voice major. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Wow, that's something. Engineering and voice. Yeah, and voice. Uh, drop voice. My Madame voice right next oh, to you. Yeah, oh, voice is yeah. in you're a singer. Or you were doing yeah. voiceovers or what? You're yeah. a singer? Opera. Yeah, <gasps> opera. So I took training in high school. That. and uh, I'm a singer as well. St- you wow. Yeah. Incredible. St- still love it to this day. But I did drop it as an official major freshman year. Did the engineering thing. And I did a five-year program in school where you could work a little bit and you'd, you'd go to school. And that's when I realized I didn't want to sit behind a desk and be an engineer. So then I decided to do what a lot of people do. They go into management consulting. I did that for a couple of years, get a feel of the land, then didn't like that. So then I went into buy-side equity research where I really got a finance background there. Um, and that is where I first got the entrepreneurial kind of spirit, I guess. Uh, I met as, as part of my job there, I met with Michael Dell with a bunch of other investors. And I was like, you know, I want to, I want to be that guy, you know, instead of analyzing what people are doing and what the stock's going to do, whether, what their earnings are, I want to be the guy that's creating things. So that's when I think the bug really got to me. Um, after that, then I decided to just do a little singing, acting, kind of exploring myself. Well, I want to talk about that for a minute because (laughs) I forgot a little bit about the opera stuff. I I remember the acting background, but voice and engineering, that that's quite a a mix of, of studies when you're in school and certainly at a young age and it's it's completely different and foreign from each other. But so what, what's with the opera voice? I mean, and why didn't you want to pursue that? (laughs) Just kidding. No, that's really, that was, we're in a music studio. that, That was terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I, it's, it started really in high school. I actually started with my parents. They would, they would play Broadway musical records, you know, growing up. So, I mean, I really got into music. I have to give them a lot of credit, took piano lessons, just love music. I always enjoyed math and science. And I guess there's a, they say there's a connection between there's math and science and music, There's a big correlation right? and people that aren't in music don't realize right, it. Yeah. Right, right. And, uh, and then I have to give credit to my, and if he was listening, he would die because he's a very humble man. But Larry Holder is my high school chorus teacher who's just one of these people mm. that knows how to develop talent. Just an incredible, incredible guy. And I just fell in love with it completely. He would leave records of famous opera singers on my chair, you know, be- before chorus would start. I mean, this, this guy was unbelievable. So I just fell in love with it. And, you know, it just sometimes you have to, as much as you love it, you have to decide if it's what you want to do for a living. Absolutely. Right. You know? And that's the thing. So, so the day to day, I didn't love as much, but I still just absolutely love voice. And I'm still doing it, you know, on the side here or there. So on the acting side, voiceovers, any voiceover uh, opportunities? No voiceover. I, you know, uh, I don't, I don't. 
think I re- you guys both definitely should be doing voiceovers. <laughs> Your voice is unbelievable uh, for the radio. No, not voiceover, but acting. I did some acting. I took classes, and then I just loved just again the process of that uh, mm-hmm. interacting with people. I I love the class itself, but then when I got to do a few shows, didn't like it as much. You know, um, huh. so so um, I really had to think about what do I want to do on a daily basis. And that kind of gets to real estate. Well, know? that's what I was going to ask you. So yeah. what is so intriguing about real estate coming from the varied background? And we've all – listen, I've said this for many, many weeks <laughs> on this show. We all come from different backgrounds. There are school teachers. There are lawyers. There are actors. Right. There are musicians and singers. There's everybody that right. come into this profession as a second, third career. So, right. I mean, with everything you've done – and the talent, obviously, you have. What's so intri- what was so intriguing about well, real estate? I remember at the time, it, it, it really felt like there was this huge hole in my life resume, I guess to put it. I didn't know anything about real estate. Here I was. I had a finance background, management consulting, engineering, and I just didn't know anything about real estate. The Manhattan market seemed so daunting to me. People would talk about, oh, you're, gonna, you're thinking of buying a place, and I didn't even know where to start. So that is what initially drew, drew me to it. And then I learned a little bit about being an agent and how – wow, it's kind of like you have your own company. You know, I was always a hard worker when I was working nine to five or whatever, you know, when I was working in a a more corporate job, say, I was always one of the hardest workers. But how great to be in an industry where you could, you know, you could work as hard as you possibly can and you see the money follows that, you know, and you see the value, you know, there's like, I feel like there was no Hmm. ceiling on my growth. And, and then of course, real estate, you know, it's, it's New York, you're seeing apartments mm. all day long, you're interacting with people, you're not sitting behind a desk. And as you guys know, I mean, every day is different. You know, you learn something every day. I've Listen, been- as I always said, and I've always had a fascination with show business, it's, it's akin to show business it and is. it's the next best gig. It kind of you know, is. It's yeah. a better paying job pretty right. much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so when just, it works. Yes. And uh, so I, I've been an agent for over 10 years, the longest job I've ever had by far. Yeah. And I think and it's a successful one. And, I wanted to talk about that too. Very <laughs> successful. I met Phil on a showing, I don't even know how many years ago, five, eight years ago, maybe seven years ago. Wow. Always impressed with professionalism and a great shower and just, you know, knew exactly what was going on in our industry. We all have seen schlock, right. to say, <laughs> yeah. people who don't know what they're doing, yeah. but you always rose above. That's and true. so, you know, you, you go from a successful, you know, and still are a successful real estate agent into uh, creating your own company, leasebreak.com. Right. What, what was that transition for you or why? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So as an agent, I realized that so many times clients would come to me and say, you know, I'm looking to get on my lease. What do I do? And we'd say, look, I'd always say, talk to your landlord, see what they say. And very often the landlord says what landlords say, which is, and I understand this. They say, look, I don't, as a landlord, I don't want to be financially out of pocket at all. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want an unhappy tenant. If you want to get out of your lease, okay, let's talk. They're usually willing to talk to you, but they'll say something like this. If you could find a qualified tenant to take over your lease, bring them to me. As long as I'm not financially out of pocket, I will consider that. And often sometimes the market's stronger so landlords could get higher rent earlier on. Mm-hmm. So that's also a benefit uh, for landlords. So that's that's one side of the coin. I knew that there was an, uh, some opportunity there to help these tenants market their apartments because mm-hmm. the landlord puts the burden on the tenant to find a new of person. Course, yeah. And then also uh, whenever an agent or a landlord has a short-term rental to market, it's always a challenge. And the reason is because 95% of uh, rentals are one-year rentals. So mm-hmm. when you want to advertise a short-term rental, where do you go? There's real no marketplace. And then, on the, and then there's also someone looking for a short-term rental. When someone's looking for a short-term rental, 
so difficult, almost impossible sometimes. In fact, and as a way, I, as it's, an, it's difficult, very difficult. It is. Sometimes. Oh, it's it is. so hard. And as a way, as an example to show, to, to kind of prove to people how difficult it is, even an agent, and I, I started to do this after a while, would turn the business away. You'd oh, ask, I did. Right? I would either hang up on it or you know, exactly. pass it to somebody else. Exactly. It's so much work. Yeah. You often can't find anything and you don't know where to go to look for it. And the reward is, you know. And the re- exactly. Yeah. And the commissions are very low. Mm-hmm. And who wants to pay that much money for a short-term rental? But let me ask you because people ask me, we've got about two minutes left in the segment, but you know, a lease is a contract. So you know, or, or why, how can you break a, a lease or, or a contract without right. ramifications? And obviously you, know, you, you, you get us past that. But, but it's really a contract and people don't understand right. so, and Exactly. And that's, that's <clears> how we look at it at Lease Break. We're not looking to encourage people to break their leases. That is not the goal of the website. The goal of the website is we understand that a lease is a contract. And a lease is a contract and you can't just get out of a contract. Now, there may be some, some people talk about, well, there's laws that say you can get out of the contract after you know, a 30-day notice. The truth is there's enough legal language in there for both sides to kind of have a field day. And the best way to do this is to work with your landlord. Mm-hmm. They are a critical partner. There are some competitors out there that they're kind of trying to go around the landlord. You know, you need the landlord as part of the process. Mm-hmm. And usually the landlord will work with you. One of the first first things you should do is talk to your landlord. Often landlords have very specific ways that they deal with lease breaks. Even if the lease says X, and they may say, well, look, the lease is – I know the lease says this, but this is how we deal with it. What do you think? Work something out, and then we help you market it. You know, It's a marketplace where you meet people who are looking for short-term rentals. And I just want to add one thing that also often you could use our website as a way to – First, look for your rental, even if it's not a short-term rental, because very often landlords will say to you, you could break your lease, but you have to find a new 12-month tenant. So often before you're looking for an apartment, we're we're finding that people use our website as a way just to check before they do their normal search. Hey, maybe I'll get a good deal on here. Absolutely. I look at it every time you send it out, and that's exactly what I do when I send it to people. That's right. And that's – Find it. That's right. And and Vince, your point, we do have the lease break list, which you're referring to. That comes Mm -hmm. out once a week. You can Mm -hmm. sign up for free on our website. That's what you're referring to. You could also go on the website itself and and search. But on the website, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But on the website, it's it's interesting. But we're going to get back to that in a minute. Uh, We have to take a break. But first, you're listening to – Uh, Good Morning New York on the Variety Channel here at Voice America. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. 
That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're talking to Phil Horrigan, who's the CEO of LeaseBreak.com. And I had a question. Who is the main user on LeaseBreak? Is it the real estate agent or is it the, a client or both? Yeah, great question. The website was definitely designed with agents in mind. As an agent, I know what agents are looking for. So I would say it's probably 50-50. Agents that have clients looking for short-term rentals go on the site. Agents that have clients looking to break their lease, they'll post on behalf of their client. And also clients that – or just tenants that are looking for short-term rentals or looking to break their lease without getting an agent involved, it's really meant to be a place where they both can go and it's, it's, it's friendly like that. Why are, why are short-term rentals so expensive? I mean I see this – you know, we were talking during a break you know, how difficult sometimes it is to find these apartments for right. people. But why are the short-term rentals so expensive? Yeah. Um, I mean is there a premium to be, to be had well, there's for? Well, there's a few things. Um, First and all, they're also so hard to find. Well, that's the thing. So those those two things will kind of combine them together. Very hard to find. Um, they hardly don't exist. It's very hard to find a short-term rental. So when the supply is so limited, of course, the prices go up. So that's mm-hmm. one reason. But also often these short-term rentals, someone if someone needs a three- or four-month rental, they want them furnished. That costs money to store sure. the, for their land, to store the furniture. There's also amenities involved. There's often included Wi-Fi and internet. It's a full-service type of package. You know, So that's something that's also a reason why they're on the higher side. Um, in terms of why they're so hard to find, most co-ops and condos don't allow short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. So right there and, – and often rental buildings don't allow short-term rentals. Uh, there are a few that do, but most don't. And uh, there are some condos, for example, that do allow six-month rentals. And one thing, for example, so if you have a six-month rental, let's say you're, you own an apartment and you go to Florida for six months every year. You have a six-month rental that you want to rent. The co-op or condo does allow often six-month rentals. That's sometimes it's right. Um, Where do you go to market that? Yes, you can go to some of the normal places. But the idea here is one marketplace where everyone goes for the short-term rentals. And then, you know, your question was why they're so hard to find. That's what we're trying to solve. We're trying to make it so it's not so hard to find. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting because they're very difficult. And every time I put – excuse me. Uh, a rental exclusive up on the on the on the uh, boards, whether it's condo or whatever. I get so many phone calls yes. from brokers. Can I do this for one to three months? Can oh I do this for two God. to four months? Yeah. Yes, every yes. time, and that just proves the point that they are so difficult to find out there. But as you said earlier, these condo buildings and certainly co-op buildings right. do not allow it anything. Well, co-ops at all, but condos usually not less than six months or a year. So I find it very fascinating that maybe that's the next thing you should create. You know, find a building that you can do short buy right. the building and, and do all short-term rentals. Yeah, I think more hotels and stuff are going to be having. You know, I think so. Are going to be having this, this amenity for people. But one thing I wanted to say before we get before I forget is that it's really a cool concept and and for our listeners, for everybody that's listening to understand that you – it should be a place that you check out. Because, you know, the, what I said on the break is that any time a dialogue is opened up, there's all kinds of possibility. Yeah. If people try to do this under the rug, they can get in all kinds of Absolutely. trouble. Big legal ramifications. Right. You're responsible for the rent for the year. Right. But – so to look at your site, not only for short term, but again, if you if something is available for six months, there's no reason why the potential is not there for me to rent that apartment for a year. Absolutely. And you know, even with some sort of negotiation, which I'm sure you're doing because you're an agent as well right. as owning the company, right. where you rent it for whatever the exchange is being made for, the current rent of the market, and then you know some increase for the next six months or or whatever. But it can become another place where you're looking for property because they're is such a dearth of sale and rental property. Right, absolutely. I mean, I don't, and just, just to 
you know, just one thing I wanted to note is I don't use this site at all for my agent business. It's completely separate. And the reason why I do that is because I want to make sure brokers know, other mm-hmm. brokers, that this is a, a a place to go. It's it's unbiased. You know, we're trying to make this a real marketplace. It's, mm. This isn't a place like for, you know, Phil Harrigan or his team to get leads from. Um, we, in fact, I go so the other end of that. I try to not even, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to take leads from the site because I want to make sure I do everything I can to make it the best resource for agents and tenants and landlords, you know. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Great. Yeah, my agents ask for, you know, uh, I forgot the day that you send it out, but I send, I flip it to my team, you yeah. know, as soon as I get it. And they ask for it. Hey, did you get that lease break thing yet? I yeah. want to, oh, that's great. Because my people, son was asking I, for it recently. I'm telling you, and I, yeah. I go through it religiously. But just for the sake of the listening audience, because I forget sometimes that this is more than just a New York show. It's Absolutely. a global show. So if you can explain the difference between a sublet, a lease assignment, and, and then a, a lease break, mm. That would be helpful for the listeners out there. Absolutely. So when you're thinking of exiting your lease early, whatever the reason may be, you go to your landlord and you should ask the landlord, if, if assuming they agree to let you out, how they want to do it. There's three different ways they can do it. The first is a sublet. That means the, the landlord will tell you, you could sublet it to someone else, but I as a landlord still want you, initial tenant, to keep paying me the rent. That would be a sublet. Then there's a lease assignment. Some landlords prefer lease assignments. That's where the lease is actually assigned to the new tenant. And that's great for the old tenant because then you're off the hook financially, which Mm -hmm. is great. And then there's a lease break, which you sort of hit on a little earlier, which is where the landlord says, look, I'll let you get out, but I want a new, and they'll almost always say, I want a new 12-month tenant. And then they're letting you just, it's almost like ripping up the lease. They're letting you just get out of that and we'll just throw in there, you know, we always suggest people sign a surrender agreement. The yeah. land, Actually, this is good for the landlords and the tenants. So you want to make sure you sign a surrender agreement in that case so all parties know what's going on and then you're off the hook. Yeah. So those are the three different types of. And what's a standard lease? Yeah. So uh, st- there's no, I don't and really. And what should renters yeah. really look out for when they're signing a standard lease? Right. So, uh, you know, I don't. <clears throat> When you say standard lease, you know, there's, there's the, the Bloomberg, there's a Bloomberg lease. There's, there's like the A101 condo Bloomberg lease. There's a Rebney lease. There's a rent stabilized lease. It's all different leases. Um, you know, we're not really going to suggest things that tenants look for in terms of how to get out of a lease and that kind of stuff because we're really, we really think no matter what the lease says, ultimately the landlord signed a contract with you and it's not going to be easy to just get out of a lease. So no matter, we always suggest you read the lease just to see what's in there. Look at the subletting policy. Look at the, if there is a policy on breaking your lease, always look there, but no matter what it says, still talk to the landlord. I I just cannot emphasize that enough. Like you just have to talk to the landlord because, and I say this because so many times this happens, not just, it doesn't really happen much on our website, but it does sometimes where someone posts they assume based on their lease that they can get out of the lease, but they don't talk to their landlord or anything, and they spend time marketing it. People see the apartment. Brokers come. They bring people. Maybe you're getting a broker to help you even rent out the apartment, and what happens? At the end of the day, after all that work, you think you found someone, and the landlord says, uh, I don't think so because you, ha- you didn't follow this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, and that's how we do it. You know, So you really need to speak to the landlord. That's what I wanted to say because I, I have gotten out of a lease in the past before, and exactly what you said, speak to the landlord right up front before I even made the actual decision to do it because I thought to myself way before your, your company and business, hey, you know, he's either going to say yes or no. And if he says yes, that's great. He's going to give me some guidelines on how, what to follow to get out of, or he's mm-hmm. going to say no, you can't. Right. And fortunately, they were very, very gracious and said that's fine. Uh, and I had only just signed the lease. I was there, I think, maybe five months. Right. <laughs> but something better came along, and I wanted to do that before, and then it came up after, so I did it. But 
you have to really follow the rules and you really have to pay attention. That's one one of the things I said earlier. It doesn't. It seems to me like people don't take leases seriously because they sign these contracts or they sign these leases. They just well, for example, according to an interview that you guys did with Brick Underground, polled users about why they had to cut their leases short. A few examples: forty percent said because of a job relocation. We understand that. Uh, roughly 18% said uh, because they were purchasing a home. We understand that in New York City. You know, everybody wants to own a piece of the rock. 37% said they were moving someplace else in the country. So, you know, I look at these things and I say, well, if you know you're going to buy a home, if you know you're going to possibly get a job relocated, if you know this or that, you're in a relationship, you've had a relationship. Are these people really taking leases seriously? <laughs> no, it's a great question. It's would, a great business for us, obviously. Right, but. Right. No, I would say the answer, I think, is yes, they do generally. I think these are all things that come up. You just don't know. You're signing your lease and things come up. You get a new job. Often they happen with a week or two weeks notice. You don't know that. The purchasing a home thing is really interesting. Because you're right, like 18 20 per, to 20% of people, that's the reason why they're breaking the lease. Mm-hmm. The reason is because the sales market in Manhattan right now is so crazy that people can't time their lease end. What often happens is they, they think they're going to get an apartment in, say, three to six months. They know their lease is ending in three to six months. They think they're fine. And then what happens, of course, is all of a sudden, three to six months goes by. They lost that on three bidding wars. Up, they have to re-sign their lease, you know, so – that's what happened. I agree. And that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you that because yeah. – hold on one second, Mivy. But I was going to ask you that because from, a, from a, a broker perspective, an agent perspective, we love, at least I do, when I'm working with a buyer who's coming from a lease because it's easier than trying to negotiate selling one place, buying another place, you know, mapping the closings together, close together, whatever. Right. But what we don't understand sometimes is what you just said. You know, you can't always easily get out of a lease three months before you close on your new sale. So right. Or, or at the same time, and people are like, well, what am I going to do? And I sit there and I think, well, I don't know. Now I know what to do. <laughs> Go to leasebreak. <laughs> it's leasebreak.com. Yeah, right. But no, seriously, before right. that, it's like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Right. And how many people that I've sold to in the past and had to make moves and changes paid their rent for the next two months, sometimes three months, while they were moving into their new co-op or condo and right. paying a mortgage because they had no other no other choice. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, you, know, yeah. and you know, you never know what the landlord's going to say. Maybe Mm-mm. the market is stronger and they're going to say, yeah, please get out of your lease. We were hoping that you would want to get out of your lease. I mean, you know, the market's stronger. We can get higher rent earlier than we thought. So you just don't know uh, what the landlord's going to say. You know, because our lives are so unpredictable and we do never know you could get relocated. You could get married for Christ's sake and move out or just move in with your whatever it is that would go on. I think that one of the best pieces of information, because as good brokers, our primary aim is to inform people, right? So they're more powerful and we're working on an even playing field with our clients. So for people to just sign leases and have no regard and not even read them and not take them seriously, I think we've kind of gone past that era. You know, we're all more informed and Mm -hmm. people are walking around doing things in a more smart manner. So good, sound advice might be when you sign a lease, read the lease, and then have your own side piece that will that will cover what it's going to be like if in fact you have to break the lease. You know, why wait till later? Right. I you know, I'm renting now and I did that with my guy. The first thing I did was if I want to leave in 3 months, 6 months, what's that going to look like? And we put it in the lease. Right. Right. I'm, I'm covered. So negotiate. Try to. I mean, a lot of because I'm always won't. looking for another apartment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. Like, good point. I mean, I, you definitely should try that. Always. Uh, some landlords won't go for that when the market's stronger. They're going to say, "Sorry, it's twelve month lease. That's just the way it is." But you know what? You're right. You never know. Maybe they'll be able to negotiate like a, an out clause. They'll say, "Hey, if you give us sixty days notice, oh, totally. we'll let you out of your lease." So your your point's a great one, and you should always ask. You know. I know. Yeah. Always ask. 
Um, question. Under New York state law, landlords are required to let tenants out of leases within 30 days if they can find a qualified replacement. What is a qualified replacement? We've got yeah. two minutes left. Yeah, no problem. So uh, that – I've heard that before. I've also heard lawyers say that, eh, nah, that law is not really exact. So when I hear that, I, and I don't want the listeners to think that, oh, so I can anyone can get out of their lease. It's so tricky, and I think this is the point you're making with your question, Vince – qualified tenant. Mm. What does that really mean? The mm. landlord has so much leeway there. Yeah. They could they could always just say, well, you know what? The person's not qualified. And that's why it's so important, again, to go to the landlord first because now you're on the same team as the landlord. Yeah. You're upfront with them. They appreciate that. They know you're not going to try to just leave the lease and not, and not pay them. And so now you're on the same side. All right. So Mr. Multi-Talented Phil Horrigan, <laughs> with all of these careers, obviously um, successful broker, leasebreak.com, What's next for Phil? You know, uh, I don't know, Vince. Uh, if you asked me that question along the way, I'd probably give the same answer. All right, guys, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and continue this conversation right after this. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here with my star panel uh, Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group, Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential, Perul Brombat from Core, Rachel Altshula, Douglas Elliman, and Niall Lundgren from Dalian Realty, and Phil Horrigan is sticking around. He also works at uh, Corcoran. So we're going to talk about a couple of topics. Ivy, you wanted to say something? I'm sorry. I did. The, the panel and I and a good portion of you know our firm and some uh, of the New York Cityers last, help me, Friday night? Friday. Vincent invited us to his home. And we had, he had, you know, it kicked off the party season. And I, I want to say, Vincent, you're, you were an extraordinary host. You had Thank yummy you. food. You had Thank great you. people. You had wonderful libations. I missed your puppy. So Vince has this little doggy named Jet. Now Jet, I guess, was away so that he wouldn't be a party pooper or whatever. We wouldn't get in the way. Did you she. see the Facebook? She. Thank you. Did you see the Facebook post the next morning where I couldn't no. wait? Took a selfie of the two of us in the cab. I just couldn't wait to go hold, pick her up and squeeze her and take her home. And she had this smile on her face. I thought, Jet, you know, she, she should have been in entertainment because she's <laughs> – well, she did a lot of that too, but she hams for the camera. Every time she sees the, the phone come into my hand, she just poses. I'm like, okay, you go, girl. 
Anyway, thanks for having us. Oh, well, and you thanks have a for the beautiful nod. home. Oh, well, thank and you. you are quite the host. Thank you so much. I like doing that, actually, by the way. But so we'll have more. For yeah. Sure. All right, we want to talk about. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy that everybody was able to come. It was a great turnout, you know, and it was a nice, cool night so the house didn't get so stuffy and hot, which is always a biggie. Anyway, we want to talk about five ways of renting in New York City and why it's unlike any place else in the world. You know, we talk on this program about lots of topics, and I always couch it by saying, like no place else in the world, because New York City is its own little unique place. You already know that New York is like no other place in the country, if not the world. You may not know, but we'll quickly discover that this is also true of the rental market. We always talk about the uber wealthy, you know, sales market, but it's true about the rental market. And here are some of the things you need to know. So in rentals, why is it that the season matters? You know, in sales, it doesn't necessarily you can buy things anytime you want to. But on the rental market, the season really matters. Why is that, guys? Well, leases break generally from early spring until the end of the summer. And so pe- the majority of people in New York City are relocating during this time. We have people that, you know, they, the school thing plays in, people getting relocated from jobs. But for the most part, if you could manage to be seeking an apartment, say, in February instead of in July, you're going to pay a substantially um, less amount. Does everyone agree? Just yeah. to kick that off. No, yeah. I, you know, the other thing that we have to always keep in mind, too, is the 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 absolute, you know, uh, drama sometimes over broker fees. And it seems to me that on the sales side of things, you know, the, the broker fee is kind of understood. You know, you negotiate a percentage here or there, but it's understood on the rental side. It's always a drama and it's always something that people say, I don't want to pay a broker fee. I'm not paying this. I'm not paying that. Okay, so New York being very different, New York, New Yorkers or people coming to New York wanting to rent an apartment why don't people understand that there is a broker fee involved? Well, that's very simple. It's mainly because every other place in the country, there are no broker fees. You knock on the door of apartment buildings, or especially in Los Angeles or other big cities, the buildings have signs in front, and they say to rent, this is who you call, and you go directly there. New York is different, and I think we'll get into in a little bit the idea of no-fee apartments. No-fee apartments, though, what people don't realize are really not no-fee. What the landlords do is they build in the fee to the price of the rental. Hello. Say that again, please, for the listening public. Well said, Deborah. Well said. The landlords and sometimes some not-so-ethical brokers, not any of us, will build in the fee to the rental price. So, for instance, if I am taking someone out to a $6,000 a month rental and they don't want to pay a fee, I will first show them the no-fee apartments, and they're looking at them and saying, gee, these look more like $4,000 a month rentals. I'll say, hey, it's no fee. And then we go to the ones where they will be paying a broker fee, and they say, this is so much nicer. This is what I pictured. And then I have to explain again that the fee, the no-fee apartments, have the fee built into their monthly price, so they are still paying the fee. All right, here's one, and, and I get caught up in this too sometimes, and, and you know, years ago when I was looking for rentals, but sometimes as I'm looking for rentals for my clients, listings are full of white lies. You know, you know, people, agents can write glorified, you know, wonderful, you know, text and prose, and how do, we, how do we brace ourselves as agents, and how do we really kind of, you know, vet these listings before we take our renters to see them? Because, again... Sometimes pictures do not tell the story, and sometimes text does not tell the story. How often do we run into that? Um, yeah, I'll just jump in. It's Phil. 
really difficult. Part of the reason I think is because rentals rent very quickly <clears throat> in Manhattan. So very often the agent or who's ever posting the listing knows that they don't have to do the best job in the world with the description because the apartment's going to be rented in a, in a, in a few days. Um, so if you have a client, I mean, the best thing to do is, is especially if it's a very important client, you don't want to take them to something that they're not expecting and it's going to be very embarrassing for everybody. Call the broker in advance, you know, call the broker and get him on the phone or her on the phone and ask about the apartment, you know, really, you know, and, and it's, it's sometimes the, you, you just, and it makes such a difference because then you get the other inside information. Maybe you'll find out, oh, actually the owner's a little negotiable on the price, you know? So, I mean, it really helps. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as we talk about technology, texting, there's sometimes nothing as good as a, a phone call. You know? I couldn't agree with you more because there's nothing worse than walking in and what the bones wise and photograph wise looks like structurally a great apartment. If you speak to a broker, you can find out something valuable, maybe like, yeah, it's an incredible apartment, but the guy that lives here is an absolute pig. So you've got to, you know, you have to manage expectations. You've got, and they, they, you know, they, it, the place smells, the place, you know, they cook with wild foods and, <laughs> you know, and then you're warning, you've got a great apartment here, but we have no clue about what we're going to walk Communications. Into. It always comes down yeah. to communication. Does. And expectation management, right? Oh, setting that's expectations. one of the biggest ones. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a biggie. Guarantors, most landlords require the tenant, and this I know is different here than any place in the world, require tenants to earn an annual salary of 45, 40 to 45 times the annual rent. When you think about that, if you're sitting in Peoria, Illinois, or anywhere, I mean Podunk, someplace in the world, come on now, 40 to 40 times the monthly rent. And if you need a guarantor because you don't have that calculation, uh, you need 80 times the rent. What I mean, you know, come on, how do we get around that? And I have to tell you something, I have not been able to, I have dropped a couple of rental clients because they just can't come up with it. You can't. So it begs the question: How do you live in this town if you need to or want to when you have to deal with with um, you know calculations like that? Well, it's insane. I'll just real quickly just say that one thing you can do, and uh, a lot of landlords allow this, is maybe do extra security, for example. So mm-hmm. if you don't have the, Absolutely. you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not able to make the income, you don't have a guarantor. Many landlords will say, "All right, well, why don't you give me three months security, four months security, or sometimes pay the year up front?" You know, it depends the situation. You're, always, as someone said to me once, "There's always an apartment for everyone in the city. You'll, you could find an apartment for everyone, no matter who they are. You can get them an apartment in the city." What about credit? On top of all of that stuff, if it's, your credit score is not, and how many young people don't have good credit? Either they don't have enough credit because they're just starting out, or they, you know, screwed up a little bit, you know, in college and they have bad credit. So all of yeah. these things on the rental, I have to say, you know, being being an agent in this town for many years, you know, rentals sometimes are more difficult than sales. And I think we all agree to that. Yeah. Much yeah. Very true. Definitely. When you put dogs in, you put all of the, all of the possibilities, uh, all of the needs dog. on people. Yeah. Not your dog. Of course <laughs> not. But agreed what it is that Phil just bought up in terms of um, de- extra deposits, sometimes mm-hmm. even a year up front, opens the door for people with bad credit. I mean, it makes all kinds of things possible. But I had an interesting thing recently, and then I'll be quiet so our panel can talk and maybe answer the next question. Um, my client was from the UK and wasn't a citizen and didn't have credit built here yet, owns a company, blah, 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 had all kinds of great things going for her. And when I said she is, she's completely ready to pay a year up front, there's no problem with finances, et cetera, the owner actually responded through the broker that he was not interested in that kind of relationship because one of the ways that he gets to have a relationship with the tenant is by them being in touch every month, them being timely. He had no desire whatsoever to take a year up front in cash Absolutely. because it was over. 
Yeah, yeah. Who the hell's in my home? What are they doing there? Are they so? How often? Questions of the panel out there. How often do you find that you have to um, ask your rental client to come up with six months or a year in advance to pay the whole rent <clears throat> because either their credit is not good or they don't have the the forty five or forty times the multiplier? Is it is it you know fifty percent of the time, sixty percent of the time, or ten percent of the time? I'm curious to know because I know in my business it's probably about. I'd say thirty to forty percent of the time, on the on the lower end, you know, like you know, five thousand and under. If it's an inter- international client, I think it's more prevalent than yeah. um, ge- than in general if someone's domestically looking. Because, mm-hmm. and it also depends on the type of building, right? Rental buildings might not allow it, especially if they're rent stabilized. Rent stabilized rental buildings don't allow you to prepay the entire year up front. So that, that means you'd be looking more at a condo. And in a condo situation, you'd be dealing more directly with an owner. I find that very interesting, that story that Ivy brought up about the, mm-hmm. the owner not wanting um, the full year. Uh, I've, I've done that a number of times where I've been able to negotiate even a couple hundred bucks off the rent because the time value of money, the sellers are, or the, excuse me, the, uh, the owners of the unit are like, yeah, I'll definitely take that. So um, it, it really depends, but I think to answer the question, it, it's more prevalent when you're dealing with um, international clients in the rental market. All right, guys, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and continue this conversation about the leasing and rental market right after this. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back, everybody, with Deborah Hoffman, Perul Brombat, Rachel Altschiller, Niall Lundgren, Ivy Ray and Phil Horrigan, and we're talking about the rental market, the the hot rental market um, <clears throat> that we've been experiencing the last year or two, in addition to the hot sales market. Uh, and so we want to continue talking about rentals for now. In the soaring rental market, we're seeing some changing patterns. Pressure from New York City's highly competitive condo, uh, the competitive condo arena is spilling over into the rental scene. As a result, some long-held assumptions about Manhattan versus Brooklyn markets are being turned on their head. This month, The Real Deal talked to residential brokers with expertise in both uh, Manhattan and Brooklyn to understand the impact of an influx of newcomers. These are would-be condo buyers priced out of the market by international buyers. Let's think about that, okay, because we talk about this uber-wealthy you know, foreign money coming into this marketplace. 
local residents, local people here who want to buy condos can't because the prices are being priced from a global, you know, price point perspective these days to satisfy the international buyers. Developers love that. They're not going to change that. The most troublesome result for renters, a lack of inventory, of course, is contributing to an exponential increase in prices. So what are you guys seeing in terms of prices for rentals in both Manhattan and Brooklyn? And are you seeing the market heading up or down or right now, like the the sales market sideways? What What is the actual rental market right now? That's a tough question to ask and, and answer because it varies so much depending on neighborhood. I mean, the West Village, for example, is extremely popular, and I think that's always going to be the case. What we're seeing, what I'm seeing, especially at my firm, is um, a lot of popularity in, in the outer boroughs, you know, in Brooklyn, in Queens. And I think um, what we've seen in Manhattan so far is landlords offering incentives to renters in order to keep them here in Manhattan because they're jumping to Brooklyn. And even in the last mm. week, what we've seen is, is, is potential renters look starting in Manhattan and then going to Brooklyn and then actually coming back to Manhattan, um, a, a specific client case is uh, one of my agents, her name is Samantha, that, case, that happened and they ended up on the Upper East Side because there was a, it was a cheaper option than actually living in Park Slope. And the landlord was offering a concession, and that's actually where the deal got done. So um, I think Manhattan is kind of fighting with some of the outer boroughs in order to, to retain um, a lot of the, uh, the, the clients that could potentially leave. I completely agree with Niall, uh, 100%. And then also, what I'm finding is that the co-op and condo rental prices are slowing down a bit, maybe because of the time of year, um, mostly. Um, but also the application fees and the process and the interview and the weight and the, you know, paperwork that is required. So I, I'm finding that the rental buildings, the no approval buildings are doing really, really well. And most renters don't want to pay a broker fee because it's thousands of dollars up front. So they're willing to pay a higher rental per month, but not the broker fee up front. So you're saying that the rental buildings are winning over the condo rentals right now, right? Yeah, like, uh, you know, okay. 540 West 28th Street is a condo, oh, sure. and you have to have really good credit, landlord letter, employment letter, tax return, you the know, all that stuff. And a lot of people either don't have it's that true. credit um, and can't pass the condo board. So with all that said, and, and keeping in mind the, the tight inventory <laughs> on the sales side of things, what are you guys seeing in terms of inventory on the rental side, say, in the last six months? Has it changed dramatically? Is it up, down, sideways? I mean, where are we with inventory on the rental side? This to sort of mirror what uh, now, now was saying. Um, really, it, it depends on the neighborhood and, what, and <clears throat> you know, time of year, uh, as you had mentioned. Um, one of the things that I just want to bring up uh, for our listening audience is that um, it's incredible to recognize how large our rental market is. Um, this last statistic that I've seen is that 26% of Manhattanites actually own an apartment. So that means that 74% of the people who live on this island are actually renting. Um, so it's actually pretty incredible when you look at these staggering numbers to see that there's still so many data points that we can gather and collect and sort of, you know, speak succinctly to the market. However, there is... That's, you know, there is such variation because we're looking at a huge market. We're not, you know, and so I think that it's, it's relevant to sort of look at it from from smaller segmentation point of view. 
I would agree with that. Um, but let me ask another question. So what what are the differences that you guys are seeing between the higher end and the lower end in the rental market? Because obviously, you know, Perul, you're right. I mean, the inventory for I mean, the, the difference between rentals and, and sales here is significant. And most of the boroughs, uh, including Manhattan, uh, is, a, is a rental uh, inventory based situation. So but, but what, what's the comparisons between the higher end and the lower end? I mean, is is one or both moving quickly or, or not? I'm finding that the higher end is definitely moving quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, The lower end... Rachel, how do you define higher end? What is the the price point on the higher end? uh, For me, I I typically say lower end is under $3,000. And so I find that renters under $3,000 have a lot of trouble making 40 times the monthly rent. The higher Mm -hmm. end, it's a no-brainer for them. It's a -a pied-a-terre. You know, they can easily do it. It's it's an extra... um, It's not a need. It's, it's It's a luxury for them. So I'm definitely finding the higher end. I'm also finding emerging markets, Queens, um, especially people are willing to go further to get more space and to even get an apartment in general because it's a little less strict out in the um, Brooklyn, Queens area. Well, it's interesting to hear what Niall said a little while ago. You know, the, his agent started, I guess, out in Park Slope, and now correct me if I'm wrong, and they ended up doing the deal on the Upper East Side. I mean, quite yep. a difference in neighborhoods. But, you know, for the price, you know, you're going to get something much uh, cheaper on the Upper East Side compared to Park Slope, which, by the way, these days is hot and, and, and on fire. The real deal and others have reported that some would-be buyers have been pushed into the rental market. This is near and dear to all of our sales hearts um, in the rental market because sales inventory is so low. What are you seeing on that front and how are you? how is it impacting you as an agent? So, for example, you know, in, in my particular uh, personal business, <clears throat> you're out with a buyer for six months. They get frustrated because they're losing bidding wars. They can't find what they want. The prices are going up, blah, blah, blah. They come back and they say after six months, well, you know what, Vince, I think I'm going to stay in my rental one more year. Yep. And then I'm going to pick up the search again. Or I've got to move and I just can't deal with this and I'm not going to be able to purchase something, so I'm going to go and rent for a year. You know, this is something that we don't want to hear, but, you know, being loyal to our clients, you know, we do what we have to do for them and they will be back. But how much is it, how much of this is really happening and is the rental market really picking up slack from the sales side? Um, I, I think a lot of this is happening. It's happened to me a few times. And what I started doing once October hit, because as was mentioned earlier, rentals are kind of seasonal and we're a little bit in the off season right now. A few people that I'm working with for sales, I planted the seed after two months of maybe you want to rent for a while because it gives them the comfort level of, wow, my agent is still with me and understands me and isn't pressuring me. And then I say you rent for a year and then we'll start looking again or we'll start looking after eight months because then You'll still have the comfort level of being in a home. You're not pressured to move fast. And that seems to be interesting a lot more clients. I'm a, I agree I, with you. And I had this scenario happen a few times over the last year, actually more than a few times. And I did the same thing you did so that people could relax. And then, you know, they've got a baby on the way and they're going to have to move anyway. So I let them know I'm here for you. If we can't get, you know, if we have this bid war thing happen two more times, let's find you a great home. Stay in Tribeca where you are. Don't change the neighborhood. And again, let's see if we can put some sort of amendment in the lease so when you do purchase, we can comfortably, I'll take care of them getting the next tenant, blah, blah, blah. So you just really let them know they're held kind of in every direction. Now, you mentioned exactly. – I think the whole, real quick, I think that's a very important point. And it's, and it's a matter of being patient with your client. I like to take them out, even though they might renew, take them out consistently just because the market – if there's a well-priced listing that comes on the market, you want to be there and be able to jump on it. 
and it does take time to transact. So it's funny that we're talking about lease break and fill because that, that's really important to have that kind of understanding of what you can do and how you can help your, your client get out of a lease because a lot of times landlords are open if that's the case for the lease break or the assignment or the sublet. And if you know, we're able to you know, effectively navigate that patiently with our clients along the way, I think that's extremely valuable. I think Deborah and Ivy brought up very good points. Nyla, I, I wanted to just go back to a point you made earlier about concessions. With the rental market so strong, are you guys seeing concessions on the rental market or in the rental buildings out there? Because I really personally, I haven't, but I'm, I'm hearing that there are some you know, uh, little bits here and little bits there. What And what kind of concessions are they? Is it one month free? Is it broker being paid from the landlord? I mean, a combination of all of the above. What is it? And is it a really lot of happen- it depends on the building. We actually, at the company at Town Residential where I am, they actually send out a weekly report in each neighborhood as to which buildings are giving concessions. And when I look at these, it's very interesting. Some are one month, That's some interesting. is two months. What's what I think the most interesting thing is it's mainly the older buildings. <clears throat> it's the buildings that have to compete with the new shiny buildings, and they're losing out a little, so they're the ones <clears throat> offering concessions. Hey, is that weekly blast going out to agents or the public? Uh, it's going to agents within town residential. Well, that's a pretty cool thing your company's doing. Yeah, we but do who a lot said of it cool wasn't things. going out to, to, to renters out there? That <laughs> yeah. would be tragic. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> What about uh, what about uh, you know the the we have about a minute left the hottest neighborhoods in Manhattan is it still West Chelsea I know Brooklyn Heights oh. and, and Park Slope you know what what's the hottest one right now on fire in New York Flatiron is just no nomad uh, right West Chelsea yeah. it's one of my favorite I mean I, it's like it's just unbelievable right now yeah. right it's, hot, it's hot, and hot. you know what every time you get a new rental client what do they say I want to live in West Chelsea I want to live in Flatiron <laughs> yeah, I want to live in the village and I'm like seriously and I want to pay thirty two hundred dollars a month for a two bedroom and I want to fire for but you don't understand I have to walk to work and I blah, 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 and I don't care what you have to do but you can't yeah. live there yeah there is no in, there is nothing right. But it's so funny. I ask the question all the time, and it's like I get the same neighborhoods back, and I'm thinking, okay, so let's you know, <laughs> let's figure it out. Um, so what about um, what about uh, Long Island City and, and, and Astoria? Still on the rise? I mean, obviously we've we've talked about that on the show several times this year, but and they it's it's moving up, but still on the rise. I think it's risen already. I think you know people are stretching <laughs> all the way out to Jackson Heights. They just did a rental in Rigo Park. Um, because you're getting, you know, radiant heated floors, top of the line, everything. And, um, you know, I'm working with a renter right now where the building is offering two free months and an OP, which is an owner pay to the broker. So. But one, la- one last question on that, Rachel. Um, uh, w- but what's the draw, for example, to Long Island City and <clears throat> Astoria? Is it the commute? Is it just cheaper or ni- nicer housing stock? I mean, what is the actual got to go there? What yeah, is it? just a few stops on the train, so you can get to work in 10 minutes, which is amazing. Okay. All right, well, you know, we're run out of time yet again, and that is Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time Live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 